Greetings in Jesus' name. I'm Bishop Chester Wright, and this is the video teaching series, God's Love for Us. This is lesson number 10, and this is part four of the subject, the constancy of God's love. And I'm reading the entire text uh, from which we're getting these uh, uh, parts on this subject. Uh, Romans eight twenty eight through 29. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say uh, then what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us, who shall, separ- who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, as it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In this part of the subject, the constancy of God's love, as uh, part of the teaching series, God's love for us, uh, we're going to focus on uh, verses 31 and 32 in this lesson. And so I'm, I'm reading them <clears throat> both from the Amplified and from Weiss before we get started. Teaching, what then shall we, this is the Amplified, <clears throat> What then shall we say to all this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who can be our foe if God is on our side? He who did not withhold or spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not also with him freely and graciously give us all other things? And then <clears throat> Weiss, excuse me, Weiss says, What then shall we say to these things? In view of the fact that God is on our behalf, who can be against us? Indeed, he who his own son did not spare, but on behalf of us all delivered him up. How is it possible that he shall not with him in grace give us all things? Now, (laughs) uh, trying to teach this, in 30 minutes is going to be uh, a challenge. But uh, since I trust in the flow of the Holy Ghost, I'm going to let him teach what he wants to teach and not uh, add to or take away from uh, what he wants to actually discuss with this. But these two verses (laughs) are such profound statements about God, God's motive, 
God's love, God's intent toward us, God's plan for us. I mean, you couldn't have anywhere a more succinct, definitive declaration of God's motive, purpose, and intent towards us and mankind and uh, his eternal plan than these verses. So, again, and just quickly, I'm, I'm going to read down to where we start this. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, whom he called, them he also justified, whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say then to these things? What, 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 what can we conclude? What can we, how can we summarize those particular statements? How can we do that? Well, here it is. If God be for us, who can be against us? Now, God is not saying there aren't people that are against us. Jesus told us to love our enemies. Enemies are people that are against you. But the, the, the emphasis that the Holy Ghost through the Apostle Paul was putting on this declaration to us is if God is on our side because he loves us so very much, uh, his great love wherewith he loved us. If God loves us that much and he's on our side, is there anyone against us that can effectively be against us? No, because again, what are the things that, what can, what can we then say to these things? One of those things is, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to his purpose. So if God is on our side, if God is for us, if God has chosen us, who can stand against us and it be effective? No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. That word prosper means to, in the Hebrew, to advance, to be effective, to accomplish its intent or purpose. Well, what about all those people that were killed for their faith? <laughs> well, again, since precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints, and uh, for me to live as Christ and die is gain. And since the next life is the ultimate goal anyway, uh, it goes back to the statement many have made, and I've made too many times. You can't threaten me with heaven. I'm not going to be threatened with heaven. So uh, if God allows you, and you can't do it unless he allows it, if he allows you to take my life, what a blessing you are to me. I don't have to to be a part of the, the tribulations of this life anymore. Jesus said, John 16, 33, These things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace in the world. You shall have tribulations. So you're going to help me be done with the race? Paul apparently knew he was going to be executed. And so he tells Timothy, I fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. I, I've finished my course. I've run my race. 
he knew he was at the finish line and in the the next short little while, whether it was that day or the next or whenever, he knew somebody was going to help him across the finish line by separating his head from his body. He knew that. He was at peace with that. He declared, I've made it. I'm there. And that next verse, Paul says, uh, uh, He that spared not his own son. Okay, this is, this is the answer. If God be for us, who can be against us? How much for us is God? He that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all. And I know, I know the terminology of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost has been uh, 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 abused and misused for as long as it's been in existence in uh, God's communication to mankind. But let's face facts. <laughs> Before there was anything that was God, in fact, God in his earliest uh, expression in relationship to man, in, 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 from man's perspective, God in his earliest, his, his name was the one he told Moses at the burning bush, I am, I am that I am. That was God's name. That means I am the self-existent one. I am. Not I was, I will be, but I am. And he's still the I am today. And he is the I am. And you're saying all of time. No, all of time is in the I am. All the universe is in the I am. And all of the history, past, present, and future of the universe is in the I am. I am. But of course, I am is love. And when there was nothing and nobody but God, who was the I am going to fully express himself to? And so the I am, in his own mind, decided to, uh, to create, to bring something into being that is not God, because if God begets God, he ceases to be God. Because in the infinite, there's not room but for one infinite. If there's two <laughs> distinct uh, beings in the infinite, neither one are infinite. Each one's only, let's call it, half of the infinite. So there can only be one being in the infinite. And when that being decided to bring a being into existence or beings into existence that he could love and that would love him in return. In his mind, everything was created. The instant he thought of it, it all existed in his mind. He didn't have to plan, about, plan it and... Work it out and let's see, let's tinker with this and see if this is going to work or is this going to work. No. He is the infinite one. And the moment he brought something into existence in his mind, 
that he could create, that immediately became finite because the the one thing the infinite can't do is create another infinite. By definition, there can't be two infinite ones. So the moment that the infinite one brought something into being in his mind, that and everything about that was finite. And then he began to produce what was in his mind. But of course the problem is the infinite one can't be finite. So he had to have a means whereby he could connect to the finite without undoing his infiniteness. And that was Logos. That's what came into being in his mind was Logos. Now, that Logos was all of God it could be except it couldn't be infinite. It's not a separate God any more than your thoughts. Your plans are a separate person from you. But I've had thoughts and plans in my life, and you could actually say, you could put all of my thoughts together. Those thoughts aren't me, but they're certainly up, they're not the totality of me, but they're certainly me. <laughs> as much me as they can be without being infinite, and not without being fully me. And the, the, the logos of God that came into being in God's mind, which was God's blueprint or plan that contained everything that God would do or ever do. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my Logos shall never pass away. Why? Because in the beginning was the Logos. In the beginning was the Logos, and the Logos was with God, and the Logos was God. Separate God? No, not a separate God. An expression of the God into the finite. The Logos is all of the infinite God possible expressed into the finite. And then the Logos, by the Logos, by the Word, by the Logos, He created everything. Everything. But then, because He knew these beings He was going to create, that He was going to make as much like Him in some characteristics as possible, the most important one was the ability to decide, to choose, because that would be the case. Then God decided that, uh, as, as a part of that, God knew that in giving them free choice, and because they're not God, they would not always make the right choices. So in the beginning, before he brought anything into existence, in his own mind, he expressed that logos into that existence, and had that logos subjected to that existence by robing it in the flesh of those beings he would create. And we call that Son, the Logos made flesh. We call Son because he was born of a woman. Now, John 16.25 says, and I'm, again, it's not an exact quote. I don't want to take the time to look and read it while, or look it up to read it while I've got it here. But the Lord said, uh, uh, he, you know, he was talking about the Father and the Son to the disciples. And these are the last 
chapter 16 is the, the third chapter of three chapters, 14, 15, 16, that all comprise one last teaching session between Jesus and the apostles. Before in chapter 17 he prayed, chapter 18 he went out in the garden of Gethsemane, prayed. They took him captive that, that, that early morning. It was nighttime, but the early morning. And then they tried him and crucified him that day. So this is barely, uh, it's not even full, a full 24 hours before he dies. And, and in that last, uh, chapter, uh, the, 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 what we would call the last chapter, but the, the, the third part that we divided, man divided it up into chapters and verses. In that last part of that teaching, he says in John 16, 25, uh, I've spoken unto you in, uh, proverbs or parables, uh, concerning the father and the son, but I will, the day's coming, I'm going to show you plainly of the father. So Jesus himself declared the terminology father and son in regards to himself as a parable. A parable takes natural examples and and uses them to illustrate spiritual principles. Now, Jesus said to Nicodemus, except the man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom or can't see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus focused on the natural example rather than trying to understand what the natural example was uh, trying to illustrate, and said, how can I be, be, be born when, I, when I'm old? Can I get, enter in my second time in my mother's womb and be born? Jesus said, no, no, no. That's not what I'm talking about. And Jesus said, okay, I have talked all these years about father and son, but I'm saying to you that's a parable. Because whoever seen me has seen the father. I and my father are one. In fact, John 1.14 and John 1.18 both illustrate to us that the only way we can know the Father is, is through Jesus Christ. It's through Jesus Christ. The man Christ Jesus, and of course I've said in previous lessons, the word Christ is, is uh, uh, the logos uh robed in flesh, and anointed by the Spirit of God. Now, I said all of that to say this. He that spared not his own Son. When the infinite God took his, the expression of him own, his own self, because 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 6, says the only way that we can see God is in the face of Jesus Christ. It's the only way we'll ever see God for eternity. The, 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 the body of Christ uh, is the only visible representation of the invisible God forever. Not just in this life. There's only one sitting on the throne. God is a spirit. God is a spirit. So in order to have a visible form for man to be able to see and relate to, God provided that. That's why idolatry or making idols is so wrong. Because there's only one image of God. And it's one God himself created by the Holy Ghost in the womb of Mary. Only one. Only one. And he came unto his own. He was in the world. The world was made by him. And the world knew him not. 
He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Those first 18 verses of chapter 1 of John is so full of this declaration from God. And some people want to take verse 2 out of there. But you can't take a verse 2 out of that context. And this is what, what I'm teaching you today is exactly what that concept is. And I've had people say, well, you're separating the Logos from the, from the Father. You're making two gods. I'm not making two gods at all. I'm saying you've got the infinite God and the, in, the infinite God expressed in the finite. The Logos isn't a separate God, a second person of God, but the Logos is all of the infinite God expressed into the finite that's possibly to be there. There's not two, two separate beings. In fact, the scripture says the Logos proceeded out from the Father. It's the expression of the Father. And, of course, the Lord became not just the I am, but he became the father. The moment that was, that came into existence in his mind, he was now a father. He wasn't father before that. He was infinite God, the I am. But the moment that all of this came into existence, he became father. You say, well, he was, he's always been father. <laughs> If he's always been father, then the universe has always existed. And yet, nobody believes that the universe has always existed. So what was God father of when there was nothing but him? That's why he told Abraham, or, or told Moses, he was the I am. I am. In fact, uh, when the word fathers used in relationship, it is uh, the the word is capitalized. It is a capital F A T H E R. And there's only one place in the entire. Old Testament, where the word father in relationship to God is capitalized. And that's in Isaiah 96. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. Or as some translations put it, which I believe is exactly what the Holy Ghost was trying to say, the Father of Eternity. The father of eternity. The prince of peace. See, the only time the word father is used with a capital F in the Old Testament. But of course in the New Testament, the word father is used frequently in relationship to the, the, the son that was, that was, uh, the, the, the word being made flesh in the womb of the woman by the Holy Ghost. Well, there's the Holy Ghost. Yeah. And, and so if, if uh, whoever impregnates a woman is the father, 
and the Father and the Holy Ghost are separate, then the Holy Ghost is the Father of Christ, not the, not the Father. And of course, one person who believed there are three separate persons went so far as to try to make the point that the Holy Ghost artificially inseminated Mary. Uh, that would be fall down in the floor hilarious, except the man was serious. No, the very fact that it was the Holy Ghost that begat, that conceived, impregnated Mary is one of the greatest proofs that the Holy Ghost is just another term or another expression that's equivalent to saying the Spirit of the Father. But one of, one of the strongest proofs. Because the, the theological gymnastics that you have to go through to try to explain why the Father did not impregnate Mary so that she could birth the Son rather than the Holy Ghost, uh, is not logically or reasonably or Incredibly possible. It's not possible. Now, <laughs> again, you've got the infinite God that we now call Father, and you've got the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, there too, no. You have the infinite God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who is his visible, is the Father's visible Expression forever. Jesus, how many times did Jesus make the statement and refer to the Father who was in him? The deity in the man Christ Jesus was not God the Son. There's no place in the Bible you can find that terminology. The deity in the man Christ Jesus was the Father. Because the Lord Jesus Christ is our Father made known to us and made able to be a part of the finite. And the universe is finite. The fact we can't measure it doesn't mean it's infinite. It is not infinite. It is finite. It may be immeasurable to us at this point. And we may not know how big it is. But it is in God and it is not infinite, and so therefore it is measurable. It is time and space. In fact, that's the way scientists refer to the universe in the dimensions of the time and space continuum. Anything that can be measured by time and space, even if we're not capable of it today, but someday, potentially, we would be able to measure the full extent of the universe. Uh, it's not infinite. So, he that spared not his own son, that son, that logos of the Father, the word of the Father that can contain everything the Father was going to do, made flesh, and he caused that flesh, the only flesh God had, the only blood God has, 
And Acts chapter 2 makes it very clear that God claimed that as his blood. Acts 20, I think it's verse 20. That the church is purchased with God's own blood. Well, God is a spirit. He didn't have blood. Where does God get blood? The body of the man Christ Jesus. So that's not a separate person from God. That's just the visible representation of the Father in this world. And he caused that being his own visible manifestation to be subject to man and man crucify him. And he did it because he loved us. If God so, God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son. The, that body was begotten of God. That body is the son of God. Not God the son. The son of God. God was in the body. To wit, Acts 5.19. Or 2 Corinthians 5.19. To wit, God was in Christ. Is Christ God? Uh, yes, if you say it correctly. God was in Christ. Was that flesh, that body God? Of course not. The body hungered, the body slept, the body got tired, the body died. But that body was the only visible representation of God. And according to Hebrews 9 and 10, that body was God, God made himself a sacrifice for you and for me because he loved us that much. That's how much he loved us. If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Now, that's not talking about him giving you a Maybach. And if you don't know what that is, I, I, I only know that what that is by, by seeing it someplace else. I've never touched one. <laughs> uh, it, is the, it is the next level up of Mercedes-Benz made by the same company. And it's a couple hundred thousand dollars at least just in its plain version, if you want to call that plain. Okay. <laughs> God, God has not promised to give make everybody rich. It's a lie. The prosperity doctrine is a lie. God has never promised to make everybody rich. And the word blessings is not spelled with dollar signs as substitute for the S's. He said the poor shall be with you always. So does that mean the poor can't be saved and can't be blessed? And of course, according to the Jewish faith in Jesus' time, the rich were the blessed of God, the poor were cursed. And that's why when Jesus said, it's harder for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, which was a small gate that was used at night when the city gates were closed, and a camel to go through that had to get out on their knees and scoot through that gate. It's harder for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to be saved. And then they looked at Jesus and shocked and said, Who then can be saved? If the rich aren't righteous as proof that they are, uh, if, if the rich are, uh, if their riches aren't proof of their righteousness and their salvation, who can be saved? And of course, Jesus said the love of money, or through Paul, 
the love of money is the root of all evil and blessed it's more blessed to give than it is to receive right so when he says how shall he not with him also freely give us all things what he has I taught in an earlier lesson where the scripture says, and because of his great love wherewith he loved us, uh, that God has <laughs> already, he's made us sit together in heavenly places of Christ Jesus and has already blessed us uh, in Ephesians 1, 3, I think it is, has already blessed us with all uh, spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. And 1 Corinthians 2 says, uh, I have not seen, ears not heard, neither in the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him, but God uh, has revealed them unto us. So this all things is God is willing to give us anything to help us grow in our relationship with him and to use us to fulfill his purpose and kingdom, which is the ultimate reason we're here. If we love God, we're going to love the plan and the purpose of God, the kingdom of God. We're going to love the mission of Christ, and we're going to want to be a part of that because we're part of him, and we love him. And we're going to love what he loves, and we're going to hate what he hates because we're a part of him. And that's what he wants to do for us. So this is the constancy of God's love, part four. And I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you would receive wisdom and revelation, the spirit of wisdom and revelation from the Father, that you might fully know, understand, believe, and live by the confidence in God's love for you, and that whenever you have enemies, you have a God that's so much on your side, it would be like uh, it would be like uh, uh, the Super Bowl champions competing in a football game against a a team of five and six year olds that was the worst team in their league. Uh, you can say no contest. It's not that the other team wouldn't be on the field if their parents would let them be that put in that kind of danger. It's not that. That they couldn't be on the field, but the contest would be so lopsided that it, you could say there's no game going on here. And I can't imagine even NFL players actually agreeing to play against them because they don't want to hurt these kids. So who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not also freely give us all things? Receive that. In Jesus' name, believe that in Jesus' name. And no matter what you're facing right now, know that your Father is able to fix it if it's His will to fix it. And that's the key. We'll talk about that again sometime. The Lord bless you in Jesus' name.